as a you know director of a business, it's your role to, I think, spot somebody's potential, see them where they maybe even can't see themselves, and then provide that, you know, that environment and that facilitation to allow them to grow into that role. It's your job to make sure that you are evaluating yourself for other opportunities to take hats off and give them to other team members. And that's actually quite a challenging thing to do because as the business goes through different stages of growth, you will find yourself having different levels of comfort just doing the same things. But you really need to not only be a master of delegating and managing and leading and everything else, you need to actually be a master of evaluating yourself and what you're spending your time and your energy doing. If you're sitting on the fence going, should I hire someone or should I not? You're going, what's the right decision? You're making a judgment that there is a right decision. You're making a decision whether you make a decision or not. Like if you by procrastinating on the decision, you're, you're making a decision. So why not just make a choice and just we'll see. You don't know where it's going to go. Maybe they'll be one of your best hires. Like I've shared only a couple, or maybe they'll be one of those hires that you learnt lots through, or maybe they'll just be a, a a decent good hire but they won't be one of those ones that you're like raving about years later welcome everyone you are listening to entrepreneurs rising i am one of your hosts carl taylor and i'm joined by the magnificent the incredible, the most amazing man you could ever meet, Peter Moriarty. Uh, his I love your compliments. Is, yes, his love language is words of affirmation. So I really want to make him feel the love. Um, he Thank would love you, to hear your comments. Please post them. Tell him how amazing he is. He would love to hear that. <laughs> I will. Uh, but today's <laughs> episode, you are, you're, you're listening to Entrepreneurs Rising and this is all about helping us as entrepreneurs. We're all entrepreneurs. If you're listening to this, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for more than half my life, Pete, for just as long. And um, we're really passionate about sharing our journey, helping lead others through the maze and personal growth and pushing shit up a hill sometimes that the entrepreneur journey is. Business can be hard. Business is amazingly fun as well and inspiring and exciting. And there's lots of things going on and we just love to share that. So that's really what this show is about. If you've never tuned in, we'd love for you to continue to listen. I hope this is a great episode. Today is all about hires. What are the best hires that we have ever made? Why were they such a good hire? And just some share some lessons and learnings and I'm sure other random bits of conversation will come out in the uh, process. So that's what today's all about. Let's just say, hey, Pete, let's make him really feel the love. So just, <laughs> he, can, he can feel the way you're thinking right now. He can feel it. So Peter, amazing to have you here. Thanks, man. I'm so happy to be here. And, uh, and I love doing the show with you. So I love your compliments. They're just, they're so great. Thank you. <laughs> it's, all, it's all for you. This whole show is for you, Pete. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. That's what I need. That's what I need. I've always wanted to be famous. Um, so, Carl, I want to start off this episode. We're talking about the best hires that we've ever made. And uh, we've talking, we're talking about what we've learned uh, from those hires as well. Uh, first question I want to ask you is, like, what makes a great hire? Ooh, yeah. I think, I think there's two types of great hires. One is a great hire that you make that when you hire that person – life just gets incredibly easier. Mm. They're, they're, they're the person that 
that just, you know, you're like, wow, if I'd never hired that person, the trajectory of my business would have completely gone so different. I would, life just got easier. Business just got better. It was just like a key hire that is like, wow. Right. Cause I, I believe every hire you make is really crucial, but that to me, that's like, that's a really good hire. The other person I think type of hire that's really good is the person that you hire that maybe performance wise, operations wise, they weren't that useful. Maybe it was even a terrible experience, but it's the lessons that you learned from that hire make them a really valuable hire in my opinion. So they're the two types of uh, valuable hires that I'm planning on sharing on this episode. And I, you know, I've, I've had a team of around 40 now for a while. And I've over that journey, I've had multiple businesses. I've hired various different people. If you are someone who I, I've hired and you're listening to this, and I don't say that you were a crucial hire, please don't take offense to it. I've really had to narrow down to a couple of key people that I could share. So um, there's, you know, everyone that I've ever hired has been amazing. Let me just put that out there if you're listening. Don't worry, Carl. Everyone loves you too. Everyone likes you, Carl. <laughs> you're liked by everyone. It's fine. Even, even if you don't put every single staff member in the episode. All right. Uh, I think like what makes a great hire for me, I'm typically, I mean, we're always buying time, right? Or we're always, we're always buying some kind of resource and having some kind of value exchange when we're making a hire, when we're entering into that relationship. And uh, quite often you're buying time. And for me, I've spent a lot of time uh, optimizing for time over the last three, four years. And so when I make a really great hire these days, I notice it in my time very, very obviously. I notice it in what I get back. And that might be a hire at home, someone to clean and you know do some washing and take care of some home chores or take care of some shopping or something like that. Or it might be in the business taking care of a critical role of mine that I need something to be fixed. And, and it's not even just, uh, you know, I'm not hiring that much these days. You know, most of the people operations are taking care of someone else in the business now, but I'm as a CEO constantly managing and monitoring resources right across the business. And so if I'm getting data that, uh, oh, we're really stretched in support right now, or, um, you know, we need more people in the marketing team to help produce the amount of content that we want to produce. Um, then my job is just to make sure that we're never constrained on that resource. And usually the resource is time. And so that we're, you know, making the right kind of hires uh, to take care of that. And so when someone comes in and, you know, usually it's a matter of competency uh, for someone to come in and really immediately have an impact. Um, but that's, you know, that's what really feels great. I also think there's a bit of a delta between somebody coming on board at where they're at competency wise and the growth that they experience. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, as a, you know, director of a business, it's your role to, I think, spot somebody's potential, see them where they maybe even can't see themselves and then provide that, you know, that environment and that facilitation to allow them to grow into that role. Now, uh, my marketing manager, Angel, is one of those examples. So I'll jump straight into an example here, who came on board with me. And uh, what I saw was that she's super intelligent, really capable, but didn't have the, the competency or the skills around campaign-based thinking or uh, managing a marketing team to, you know, uh, produce marketing objectives, right? She was really great at hiring and at managing and looking after a team and she had amazing people skills and she was able to, you know, cut and paste stuff that somebody else directed into Facebook ads. She was in a previous position where she ran a big content team under her, but she wasn't really doing the strategy. But I knew that she was the kind of person that I could 
eventually help grow her into being someone who could actually take care of the strategy, deciding what channels were going to be right for the marketing, deciding what mediums were going to be right, deciding what was important content and what wasn't important content. But she didn't see that in herself. And so, you know, one of the really interesting things on that uh, journey of working with Angel was I set that expectation with her up front. You know, we sat down, we started working together and I said, look, I can see your potential and I can see where I think you can go in your role. I would like to take you there, grow you, coach you and help you, uh, you know, nurture you along that journey. It's going to take you bringing some stuff to the table there, uh, you know, your ambition and your initiative and your hard work to actually make it happen. Uh, but I think that you deserve to be there and I think that you have the capability to be there. So I want to help grow you into becoming that person. Uh, you know, for me, that's a great hire. That's a great hire is someone who I can see a difference from where they are now to who they may become or where they will be. Um, and I guess that comes down to, you know, my love of coaching and leading, but that's, uh, you know, really great to see somebody blossom. It's really personally it's rewarding so a good for me. Leader, right? Any, any good leader is really about like, we lead people. That's what we do. Like, yeah, we lead through decisions. Sure. But ultimately when you've got a team like we do, it's, you're leading through the way you inspire people and you inspire them by seeing who they can be that maybe they don't see it themselves and providing that support and encouragement and, and resources to help them become uh, upskilled in their own journey that they want or in the journey you can see that they could have that they don't yet believe that they have. Uh, I've got yeah. similar, similar stories. One of my best hires is uh, uh, Susie. The story of when I hired Susie, this was back when Automation C was a team of me plus one. I had a graphic designer. I'd hired wow. a graphic designer. And that was all good. And I now needed a coder because in the early days of Automation C, I've always been a techie. So I did the coding. I built the pages. I would do the automation stuff. And I needed to hire a coder. I had the designer, which was great because I'm a crappy designer. And I was like, okay, I now want to remove myself from this piece. Let's try and get some developers. And so I, I, I created this test that people needed to do to do the, the, the developing thing. And I hired a bunch of different people and got them to do the test. And um, Susie was one of the people who applied. She was a friend of the designer, which is why I kind of brought her, brought her in. She did the test. Uh, I think it was from memory in the round that she applied, three people did the test. And her coding skills were the weakest of all of them. Mm -hmm. I looked at it and initially I told her no. I said, no, sorry. And I, I gave the job to someone else. I hired one of the other three people. And that person ended up like disappointing me. I can't remember exactly the reason because so many years ago now, but it was something along the lines of like, I think he like, I just didn't like his attitude or he didn't show up well. Or there was something that outside of his coding ability, it was, it was some other attitudinal issue that I was like, no, you know what? This is not working. And so obviously I got rid of him and now I'm back in that position going like, oh, I need to hire again. It's like, well, let me just look through back the old tests that people did. And I noticed one thing. It was only because I noticed this one thing. I went back and I noticed that with Susie's stuff, yeah, her coding skills were quite weak, but I noticed that she did one thing that none of the probably, I think, 10 people that went through this test did. One of my instructions was cleanly comment your code every time you've made changes. She was the only person who'd left comments. She'd followed that instruction and that stood out to me. So I reached back out to Susie and I said, look, I know I kind of told you that I didn't think you were a good fit for what we're looking for. It didn't feel like you got the skills and I've got to say nothing's changed. Like I don't feel like you're really at the level of skill that I need you to have that I was looking for. But here's the thing. I can see your potential. I can see that I believe that you have the ability to, to learn and 
I have the ability to teach you. I can do the fact that I can do this work. I'm not hiring for something that I can't do. I'm hiring for something I can. I can teach you how to do it. I can teach you how to be just as good at me, if not better at this stuff. And um, the reason she she accepted that, she came on board, and um, yeah, she started just doing the web coding stuff. And and even now, she'll admit herself, like she's still quite weak at the coding side of things. That's why. And then when we started to build a bigger team again, we had other coders who were clearly better coders than her. She then took over the automation side of stuff. Like in the early days, she and a couple of people were the coders and I did the automation. And then eventually it was like, well, you don't need to be a strong coder to be good at automation. It's more about logical thinking, which she had. So Susie has been one of my best hires because she is the closest clone to me. I see it, I see it in meetings. I see it in like I share an idea. Um, she's the closest clone I've been able to create, you know, and I think that's what every, you're laughing away, but I think every business owner, surely Pete, you've had this dream where you're like, if only I Oh, could everyone clone does. Me. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone, everyone wants, wants to, to clone, clone themselves. themselves. <laughs> yeah. And, and Susie's the closest I've ever done on the, from that technical front, the way she thinks when I share ideas on a team meeting going, Hey, I think we should do this. And I, or I go, Hey, here's what we're doing moving forward. I can tell you hands down across all the team leaders. And I love every single one of my team leaders. They're amazing. But I can tell you hands down, if I've communicated something of here's how I want things to happen, the one team that's following it almost to the letter will be Susie's team because she's got it. She's understood it. She knows she's thinking just like me. Whereas you go to one of the other teams and they're kind of semi doing it. They haven't quite grasped it. Like, she is the closest clone to me in a technical front. She's as close as clone to me on a um, thinking and, and ideas and execution. And it's amazing. But here's, here's one thing that I think is worth sharing to anyone. If you're in a position going, I want to hire someone as good as me. And you can share your, your perspectives, Pete. But my experience is the biggest saying that everyone has in their head is, I can't find someone who's as good as me. Or they just can't do it as well as I can. My answer to that, my response to you, if you're thinking that is, you're probably right. But accept it. And I have, a, I have another saying that I really like is, you know, average efforts multiplied beats perfect performance. A oh, that's perfect so performance. good. Oh, that's so right? good. Yeah, that's, that's quoted Carl Taylor. No one, I, that came from me. <laughs> and um, I said it on stage once and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm keeping that one. And, but it's true. E even though Susie is my closest clone, from a technical standpoint, I mean, she's probably better now because I don't log in actively to Active Campaign or Entreport anymore. But even if we come up to a technical problem, the speed in which I can think through how to solve that problem is still probably 10 times faster than she can. It is still like she's amazing at what she does, and yet she's still probably only at like a 70 to 80% of what I would do in that same situation. And she's my best at that. And it's, 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 it's just, I, you have to kind of get to a point where you accept and go, you know what, you might be amazing at something. And maybe there are some people out there who are better than you. Like there are people out there who are better than me. The thing is I probably can't afford those people or they don't want to work for me. They want to run their own show. And so the fact that I have average efforts being multiplied rather than me spending like 10 hours of my time doing it and I can have 10 people doing, doing it and it takes them half, it takes them twice as long as me. I'm still getting a far better return out of that than me doing it myself. So that's, that's, um, yeah, that's my big takeaway on, uh, on Susie. <laughs> Susie was a great hire lessons I learned, but also just, I just feel great because she's just the closest clone. And it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it took me, it took me 10 years to find my clone. Uh, and that's Scott, uh, who came on, uh, through acquisition as our general manager late last year. 
he's a clone of me. He thinks the same way as me and I can just allow him to go and just go and optimize basically and do things. I want to relate this back though. Um, you know, you talked about you being able to do things much better and the team just never being able to do that. Um, that's very true. And as business owners, we are really, really good at a few things, but not everything. And so I want to bring in the analogy of like a racehorse running with blinders on. Like, yeah, you're really good at that one thing, but you probably shit at a few other things. Um, and so more if we bring more than a few, I'm sure it's more than a few. And so if we bring in the, um, the framework of wealth dynamics, which we both love, uh, you know, we're both pretty similar. We've got like some creator, we've got some mechanic. I think you've got a bit of star. I've got now a bit more Lord and, that framework is just one framework. There's many frameworks, but it's one framework for highlighting what areas, uh, you know, are you strong and where are your strengths and what areas do you need support or do you need to pair up and team up with others to actually help you take care of things. And especially the mechanic creators, we're the world's best problem solvers and we're the world's best at, at creating new things and birthing new things into the world, right? And that's the skill of an entrepreneur, which is why so many entrepreneurs are creators or stars, plenty of mechanics as well, right? Uh, because we're really, really great at birthing new things. And so, yes, we're probably 10 times better at birthing new things than anyone else in the room, uh, but we then have to find those other people that are around us. And so one of the things that that I wanted to share in this episode is one of the first things that we do is we hire for things that we don't want to do or we hire for things. Ideally you're hiring for things that you're bad at. Right. And so yes, everyone dreams of like hiring that clone and you got so lucky that one of your first few employees was hiring that clone. That's actually probably the wrong person to hire early on unless that person can immediately like build out a team for you. I would argue that, the most important people to surround yourself with, and I'm talking about your first few employees here, would be people who complement you in different ways. So like if you're a creator, you need a supporter. Um, if you're a mechanic, you need a, uh, you need a star. So, uh, you know, creator is pretty obvious. Mechanic is pretty obvious. A star is someone who either, um, you know, wants to be on stage or highlight others. A supporter is, is pretty straightforward. You can read more about it uh, if you Google wealth dynamics. Um, you'll find that. Um, now, those different profiles need others to really, really be powerful and to really be successful. And so first up, I would say, well, probably hiring for the areas where you're not great at. Now, it doesn't mean that you can abdicate those areas. And so many business owners will say, oh, I'm not really good at the finances and they abdicate it to someone else. Uh-uh, you don't get to do that. If you're the CEO, you have to be competent enough. And that's the challenging thing. You've got to be competent in like 10 different areas to run a business. Get used to it. <laughs> so that's all I've got. Get used to it. Um, but you need to know just enough to be dangerous and enough to lead and manage others. That's the easy bit, I would say. Phase one is like hiring people for stuff that you're not good at. The challenging phase, the challenging phase is, well, what about when you have to hire people for stuff that you are good at? Mm -hmm. What about when you have to hire that person to be a mechanic or to be a creator? The stuff that you love doing, the stuff that you enjoy doing, the stuff that you probably feel valued and feel important by you doing it because then, you know, it, that's your ego because that's your thing. But there will come a time where you're the, not the most efficient person to do it or you're running out of scale or, uh, you know, you just don't have enough capacity to be able to actually execute it. 
that's when I think it's things get really, really, really tough. Uh, and you touch on a few uh, things here. I'd love to to jump in on. Like first up, I'd say do. in in my experience, the hiring someone who does something that you're good at, like letting go of something you're good at, the hardest part of that is all about what goes up in your head. It's all the self conversation. It's but I, I'm good at that. I don't want to let go. I, I need to do that. I'm the only one who can do that. Um, it's all of that internal self-talk that ultimately in my experience is the hardest part of it at all. Once you can make you the delegate decision, it and then they yeah. fail, <laughs> you delegate it and yeah. then they fail. And then and you're like, well, see, <laughs> it didn't work because again, it goes back to what I was saying though. It goes back to the expectation. I, even though I look for people to do things that I'm good at, I'm not expecting them to do it to the level that I might do it. I'm open to, they might have their own ideas. They might be able to do it better. Maybe they'll do it 80% as well as I would, but the difference is I didn't have to do it, right? Like maybe I'm terrible at cleaning, but maybe I'm an amazing cleaner and like the cleaner I hire doesn't clean the house as well as I do. That would be a lie, but maybe that's the truth, right? Right? If that was the case, would that mean that I should go, I'm not going to hire a cleaner because they're not going to clean the place as clean as me. No, that's crazy. Like it's better than me doing the cleaning. Now, Pete's laughing away like maybe he uh, has problems with his cleaners. They don't do it as well as he wants it done. They don't. They don't. I'm really, <laughs> really good at cleaning and I'm a control. This is this is bringing up all of my control freakness. I'm intrigued. observing myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you just do, you just got to let go of it. The 80%, 80% is better than you doing it because you can take that energy, that time, because time is the only asset that we never get more of. It is the only resource that truly has a finite amount and none of us actually know how finite it is. You know, money comes and goes, um, you know, relationships with people can come and go. The only real resource that will ultimately, your know, knowledge can come and go as well. Like people go, oh, knowledge is a resource. No, like it can come and go, your brain. It's time. Time's the one thing that ultimately as it's spent or used, it's gone. And you don't actually know when the money's gonna run out. You don't know when that bank account comes to an end. And uh, so the, be the best you, analogy that I have about time is that it's like a toilet paper roll. And, you know, as it gets closer to the end, it spins faster and faster. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. That's good. I like that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to touch on when you talked about let, like some of the first few hires, I think, I think that's a worthwhile going. Like if you're currently sitting there going, well, I've got no one or, you know, I've got a virtual assistant or something like you've got a small team and you go, who else do I hire? One of my other best hires is actually kind of, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. It's, it's an agency and a software. Yes, a software. Wow. Um, one of my other really great hires was a bookkeeping firm. So I decided not to hire an individual, but it was cheaper and easier to go with a firm who was already trained, just like people hire automation agency because we're already trained. It was cheaper for me to hire this agency that already has their own team of bookkeepers um, and they can manage my bass and do all those things and combine with Zapier. Right, so I was able to keep the cost of the agency that I employed down because of my tech skills. I was able to leverage Zapier to do a lot of the data entry that meant that the bookkeeper just had to create some rules in Zero. So I used the software Zero, X-E-R-O, if you've never used it, it's an amazing tool. Um, so Zapier plus Zero and Stripe is our main billing tool. So basically every charge, Zapier is creating an invoice in Stripe automatically and instantly all the, all the bookkeeper had to do was click OK most of the time to reconcile. Then they created rules, which you can do that in zero. And so now uh, we were able to pay a very low fee compared to you know, cheaper than I could hire a person to do. And it's just amazing hire because you know what? I, I can kind of do 
bookkeeping. I've done it over the years in, in my, my life and I'm pretty good at running profit and loss. Like I go into zero, I look at my P&L and I look at my balance sheet. Like I'm, I'm not one of those business owners that doesn't understand my numbers, but data entry, creating invoices, reconciling, like, oh, that's just, who wants to do that? I definitely don't. Some people do, but I don't want to do that. So if you're like me and you're like, I don't want to do that, let it go. Hire someone else to do it. Be like Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. So, Carl, when do you know when to hire? Like, what are the what are the triggers or the goalposts that let you know? Okay, now it's time to do a hire. Because I mean, especially if you're hiring, um, you know, Australian-based staff or staff in a more developed country, it's a really big decision because the labour cost is so high. Hiring in the Philippines makes it a little bit uh, easier cash flow wise. Uh, but what are the, you know, there's still overhead in time and training and all the other, you know, overhead of HR and a business. Uh, how do you know when is the right time to hire? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think, um, well, there's an old saying that you may have already heard before, which says if once you can afford half of their salary, it's a good time to invest. Interesting. Um, and so over the years, I used to follow that rule where it was like once I, if I knew that I could afford half their salary, I should assume that they would then either themselves directly bring in the rest of the revenue to cover their other half of their salary, or um, they would free me up to focus on revenue generation things that would ultimately, like the idea is that if they're paying, if you've already got enough to cover half, at that point you can go and bring them in. And I, I think the, the whether the half is the right number or not, I think the, the concept behind that to look at your people as investments, I think some people don't look at their people or the people they wanna hire as an investment that will generate a return. Uh, so I think the first thing there is going, if, if you are in a position where you could earn more with another person, that's a time to hire. And you want to ensure in that moment, you need to then decide who do you need to hire? Do you need to hire someone who comes in and does the thing that brings in money? Or do you need to hire someone who's going to free you up to do that thing? Now, I personally, my opinion is that we should all start with um, the simple things you might start to to hire would be like admin bookkeeping, like the, the stuff that you just consume your time, like the, the paper shuffling stuff that needs to happen, not the best use of your time, unless you're really, really good at it. Like if you personally like it, you're really, really good at it, don't do that first. But I believe the next type of person you wanna hire is the stuff, people who deliver what you do. How do you, how do you, out, how do you get yourself out of the delivery? Because that's where you start to get scale is no one, I don't, like even if you hate sales, no one will sell your business as well as you will. No one understands what it is you offer as well as you do. You will always be the best salesperson because you understand all the intricacies, everything. So some people go, and I've, I've been this person in previous businesses where, oh, I hate selling. I'm going to hire a salesperson. I did that in my IT company, hired a salesperson. And it was an absolute nightmare because they were useless because I wasn't resourcing them. I was a terrible leader at that time too. But they just couldn't sell anywhere like I could, even though I had stories in my head that I didn't like selling. I would have been better in that scenario to have built out more of the delivery side of what we did. So I could focus on just going out there and meeting with clients and selling more managed service contracts and doing that. And so I believe that your yeah, admin stuff, cool, do that. But your core is how do I sell, how do I bring in people to do the do of what I'm selling? either all of it, part of it, whatever you need to start to free up your time so you can focus on the stuff that matters, which is selling, marketing, um, strategic partnerships, strategic thinking, doing that. And then I believe then you can start to go, okay, well now I'm going to bring people in to do selling 
I think the very last thing that you let go of is, is the marketing side of things. That's my view. I, I, at least the strategic, you can hire people to execute on your marketing, but I believe the very last thing you let go of is the actual, um, the strategic thinking of what your marketing is. So that's the kind of the hope. Totally and, then, and, and when do you do it is when there's an opportunity. Bring it back to it's if you've got the money, you can afford it. You can see the return on investment. If you've got the resources, you've got the time. So the resources that you need to have if you're going to hire someone to, you either need to have clear instructions that they can follow. So from day one, they know what the hell their role is and what to do and how to do it. And that's clear for them. If you've got that in place, then you're probably skilled up. If you don't have that in place, if but you have the time to personally one-on-one spend time with them, teach them those things and they create those resources over time with you, then you're good to go as well. If however, you're in a situation where like, I don't have time to scratch my butt and like, I, I, I just need someone to save things and you're going to abdicate. You're going to bring someone in who's going to save you. It's a recipe for disaster. They'll get frustrated. You'll get frustrated. You'll waste money. They'll feel like it was a terrible like job experiment. Like, it just, it's not going to work. You, you need to put in the time to either train them or you need to put in the time to have the resources that they can self-train to an element in my experience. Pete, what, what's your thoughts there around when to hire? Man, I'm just, I'm just loving everything you're sharing because it's so on point, uh, everything that you shared there. Um, and I think you need to become a master of delegation. That's really important. Uh, and you really need to upgrade your your management and your leadership skills to be able to effectively bring on staff. Carl and I are both entrepreneurs who have scaled large teams. And, you know, there are those stages. You go from three people to five people to eight people to 12 people to like the next stage is about like 18 or 20 people. And then, you know, there's 30 and then 40 and north of that. You start and having management and managers, managing managers, and it all starts to Of get course. Yeah. All of those things. There are just different lessons and different challenges at each stage. And the growth that you go through from one to three is massive. Three to five, six, seven is freaking massive. Eight to 12 is not too bad. 12 to 20 is called the desert. <laughs> and, and that's like the shift from a hobby business to a performance business. And my God, that's probably the hardest. Um, but north of there, it's all leadership. Uh, but Carl, I love what you shared and I can't reiterate that enough. Sales is the second last thing to let go of. Marketing is the last thing to let go of. Uh, and, and maybe even we would say sales is the third last. Marketing is the second last. And, uh, and then, you know, you always remain in the seat of culture. Uh, yeah. and an overall corporate strategy. You know, you as a CEO, you are forever the custodian of culture, uh, which is something my general manager, Scott, says, and I, I really, really love that. Um, I'm also think, forever the custodian of money leaving the business. I, I do still mm, control the bank accounts. Yeah. That's something I've not Excellent. ever felt uh, willing to let go of. But, you know, there, there are team members who have the ability to process things, but I'm the one that has the final click the button that sends the money. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Critically important. There's two final points that I want to make before we wrap this up soon. Uh, one is that as you continually uh, have the business grow and you're adding new resources, it's your job to make sure that you are evaluating yourself for other opportunities 
to take hats off and give them to other team members. And that's actually quite a challenging thing to do because as the business goes through different stages of growth, you will find yourself having different levels of comfort just doing the same things. But you really need to not only be a master of delegating and managing and leading and everything else, you need to actually be a master of evaluating yourself and what you're spending your time and your energy doing um, because for the business to grow, uh, you need to actually grow. It's just not going to happen uh, without that happening. And so some of the ways that you can do that, some really practical tips. Uh, number one is time audits. I've been doing time audits for the last 10 years. I use an app called Rescue Time. It's a free app. Uh, you put it on your computer and it tracks what you do and then it sends you a report each week. So you can see how many hours did I spend in meetings? How many hours did I spend on Zoom? How many hours did I spend uh, doing emails? How many hours did I spend, uh, you know, thinking about running reports in zero or whatever it is that you're doing or on social media or news sites, right? Uh, and that will let you know exactly where you're spending your time. Remember, optimize for time. Once you've got, you know, some of the key things off your plate, I love what you said, Carl, about getting the delivery delegated. That's the best way to scale the business. Um, but for businesses who have broken through their first three or four or five staff and you're really getting into that, that scale mode of growing out the team, um, then it's about really about optimizing yourself. Uh, and my, my final point on optimizing yourself is that your business will not grow without you growing. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they are going to be uh, linked to each other uh, and, uh, and intrinsically linked to each other. As you grow yourself personally, you will allow the business to grow. And you will know this. You will know that if you've ever had a period where for six months or for 12 months, you've kind of been like bumbling along on the same revenue amount, and you've been wondering, wow, why is it kind of stuck here? And then you've had a breakthrough. Either something's happened, you've got into action mode, or you or you discovered something new, or you thought something different about yourself. Um, and for whatever reason, boom, then it immediately started to change. That's proof that unless you're growing on yourself, the business is not going to allow you to grow. Uh, and Carl, you've said to me many times that business is the best personal development course ever. Uh, and I love that you added the quote, no matter, no matter what the result is. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. The result doesn't matter. It's, well, you, whether the business fails or succeeds, if you want to, you know, however you want to judge it, you won't have failed because you have learned lessons through it. I, oh, you know. What a good mindset. That's amazing. <laughs> I had this conversation with my brother-in-law recently. He's looking at starting a thing and he's looking at doing this course and he wants to buy some products. And I said, well, worst case scenario, you're going to learn a lot and you'll have done, I think it was like a $400 thing. I was like, I was like, You'll, I've spent, you've spent more than that on courses. Like just think of it as a $400 course. You're going to learn so much through it, no matter what the result is. Like just do it, man. And, and even uh, if it's $400,000, really it would, it would still be a lesson. I mean, if your mindset is there and, and you know, I love your mindset. I know you've done the Tony Robbins and, and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on mindset and personal development stuff and that, that strong mindset. Uh, you know, if you, to the listener as a business owner, if you can develop that, um, you know, I know some of the personal development stuff can be a bit fluffy from time to time, uh, but if you can really work on developing your mindset, the way that a seasoned business owner like Carl approaches business with that mindset of whatever happens, uh, it is a, uh, you know, it is a gift and it is a lesson Then that's going to really help you out a lot day to day. Uh, Carl, if you don't mind, I'd really love for you to finish with sharing the parable of, uh, of we'll see, cause I think that would really tie into this nicely uh you know no matter where your business is um you know there is there is always lessons and there is always somewhere along in the future the parable of we'll see i don't even the know farmer, what you're talking about the farmer 
Who oh, says we'll is see? it we'll see? Oh, we'll yeah, we'll right. See. I thought you were talking about we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were talking about we'll see as in like a person, W-I-L, like their name. I have no weird. idea who we'll see is, but if you're listening, <laughs> let oh, us know. That's all right. Wait, we're, we're super prepared on this podcast. I mean, he's asking me to share a parable. <laughs> I don't even know. But no, this is, this is a parable. I do. I share this in my book, Becoming Bulletproof, and it is one of my favorite parables because basically there's this, imagine this farmer, he's um, – He's, he's at, goes out to, to, to his fields one day and he sees that his horse, one of his horses has run away. And he, his neighbors kind of peer over the fence and go, oh, what a shame, your, your, your horse has run away. Like what terrible luck that is. And the farmer just goes, we'll see, shrugs his shoulders, we'll see. The next morning, farmer wakes up, goes outside and the horse is back. And he happened to bring two wild horses with him. So now instead of one horse, he's got three horses. And the neighbors look over and go, oh, what incredible luck. How lucky it is that, that you've now got three horses. And again, the farmer goes, we'll see. And uh, so his son's out there riding one of these wild horses, trying to tame it that next day. And he falls off and he breaks his leg. Again, the neighbors say, oh, terrible luck. You know, you're really having a rotten luck right now. Like, how are you going to look after your farm now that your son's broken his leg? And the farmer again just goes, oh, we'll see. Um, then all of a sudden war breaks out and the military are coming through looking to recruit every young person to join the army and they come over and they see the son with the broken leg and they decide, oh, his leg's broken, he can stay where he is, he's not going to be a very good fighter. And again, the neighbours say, oh, how lucky you are that your son didn't have to go to the, the, the war. And again, the farmer just smiles, looks at them and says, we'll see. And it, it's just... It, it's, it's such a poignant point because we are in a dot, right? We all know that, right? We've all got those memories where you can look back at something and go, because that thing happened a year ago, 10 years ago, I'm now here or this thing happened because of that moment, right? You can connect the dots when you look back. But looking forward, when you're standing in a dot and we're all standing in a dot right now, we are in a dot and this dot that we are in is going to connect to another future dot. But we have no idea what that dot is. But I know when I look back that every dot I've ever been in connects to something that has some other use, some lesson, some growth, some learning, something that ultimately is helping me develop and grow in some way, shape or form. And so I trust that no matter where I am right now, that there is a future dot that this will connect to. And I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't label it good. I don't label it bad. It's we'll see. Now I'm human and I still get emotional caught up in the moment. Um, I'm not, I'm not like this, you know, Buddha or whatever that nothing, phases me i'm sure you've heard that in some of these episodes already but i think it's just a really a really thing like if you're sitting on the fence to bring this back to this topic of this episode pete i think it's really important if you're sitting on the fence going should i hire someone or should i not you're going what's the right decision you're making a judgment that there is a right decision you're making a decision whether you make a decision or not like if you by procrastinating on the decision you're you're making a decision so why not just make a choice and just we'll see. You don't know where it's going to go. Maybe they'll be one of your best hires, like I've shared only a couple. Or maybe they'll be one of those hires that you learnt lots through. Or maybe they'll just be a, a, a decent, good hire, but they won't be one of those ones that you're like raving about years later. I think it's really crucial. And, and I know that every entrepreneur usually dreams, if you're the creative type like Pete and I are, you dream of that like right-hand man or woman who's just going to implement. You can just come up with a crazy idea and they make it happen. 
If you haven't read, um, I think it's Rocket Fuel, it's got a great uh, quiz in that about are you more the visionary or the integrator and when you can have two people, usually they're separate people, you've got a visionary and you've got an integrator and you bring those two people together, it becomes like rocket fuel for your business. That was one of my best hires. Uh, was a, a team member who's now my, my head of operations. She was originally my, my head of HR and she is very high on implementer. I'm very high on um, visionary and when we came together, life just got a lot easier. However, I don't necessarily think that's always going to be your best first hire. You know, don't, don't think that that's who you need to find. It took me years to find her. Just make a decision. Just keep going, keep building, keep doing what you can. And eventually along the lines, you'll get to a point where that, that integrator is maybe crucial. Or maybe you're the integrator and you need a visionary. You know, again, you'll come across that person and you'll join forces and it'll be amazing. So that's how I'd like to wrap up. Um, any final thoughts, Pete, before we kind of let them know where to go? No, just that uh, the best hire that you can make is, uh, is yourself. Uh, mm. And by that, I mean backing yourself, Deep. backing your growth, knowing what, what is your delta between where you are now and who you can become. Um, because if you can upgrade yourself, then you'll be able to upgrade your leadership and, uh, and do what is, what is your duty, which is to lead your team. Uh, and uh, that's what we are hopefully here to inspire you to do. I think we'll probably do an episode on the integrator role, Carl, because that's such a critical role for a founder to have with them along the ride. Uh, so we'll come back to that one. Uh, but until next time, thanks to the listener for listening in. We hope you've got value from this and we'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, awesome. So remember, subscribe if you haven't already. We'd love to you to listen to us on your favorite podcasting episode tools. We're there. Uh, you can also find all the show notes, links to the different tools and things that we've mentioned in this episode and any other previous episodes at rising.show. If you want to connect more with Pete or with myself and you're wondering how you can find us, again, rising.show has all the details. You can read our bios. You can connect with our companies, our social medias. All of that's there available on the website. We would love for you to also leave a comment or feedback um, to share with others. If you thought this was a good episode and you think that there's someone in your life who could really get a lot of value from listening to this episode, please don't keep it to yourself. Please don't keep us as a secret. Share it with them. Let's spread the love. Let's get the value that they need. Um, it's an absolute honor to serve you, to share our knowledge and insights and, and anything we can. And if there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover in future, reach out. We would love to hear from you. And if there's something you really hated about what we said, you can keep that to yourself. No, it, it, seriously, you can, you can let us know uh, and we'll decide what we do with it. But I would really, yeah, we're, we're open to all feedback, good, bad, ugly. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Until the next episode, stay groovy.